Welcome into the 13th episode of the Deep Dive Dynasty Podcast. It is your two boys here. I'm Colin, and this is Toby. Overrated. And overrated players is exactly what we are going to be talking about today. Before we get into that, I wanted to quickly run through our own Scotty Fishbowl roster. We are almost finished that draft. I only have three picks left. And I wanted to talk through the strategy, and I hope that it helps you in approaching how you should attack different drafts with different rule sets. You can find my roster as well as the rest of our content on Twitter at Deep Dive Dynasty, where I'm going to be posting my roster as well as my entire draft board. I was lucky enough to get the third pick, and in this draft, I found because of the importance of quarterbacks in its Superflex Titan Premium format, there was really a top four group of guys being McCaffrey, Barkley, Mahomes, and LJAX. So I was pretty excited to have one of those four, and I ended up taking Saquon over Lamar Jackson from that group because. This league is also weird in its scoring in that you get points per first down, and I believe that Saquon and McCaffrey are just going to be absolute studs, whereas with quarterbacks, what really matters more than anything in this league is efficiency because you gain a half a point for every completion, but you also lose a point for every incompletion. So being efficient is the most important thing, and to me there are some reasonable questions to be asked about Lamar Jackson's accuracy mm -hmm. in this upcoming year. So that is what forced me to go and click the button on Saquon. I was pretty happy he fell to number three. On the way back, I pounded running back again with Josh Jacobs. Similar thought process. He's going to be a bell cow. He was really the final guy of a tier that fell to me there. And then with my third pick, I picked Matt Ryan. This goes back to the scoring format as I already talked about because Matt Ryan I believe will be efficient this year. He obviously does not rush but that doesn't matter as much in this league because quarterbacks are already going to score so many points just through their passing that it wasn't a priority for me to take someone like a Josh Allen who ended up going all the way in the seventh round in a super flex league because people are so concerned about his accuracy. In the fourth round after the long turn, I went back with David Johnson, which was a really difficult pick for me. I was actually really hoping for Melvin Gordon here, and when he went two picks before, I wanted to keep pounding running backs because I knew that they were going to dry out quickly, and I already had my fifth round pick all locked and loaded. I was quite sure he was going to be there, and I'm quite hot on him in this format, and that is Matthew Stafford. He's very similar to Matt Ryan in my mind. He's going to be an effective passer, and I was pretty excited to have those two as my two starting quarterbacks. Then after another long turn, I was absolutely shocked in a redraft league to get Mark Ingram at the end of round six. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. I know, of course, J.K. Dobbins is there, and I love J.K. Dobbins. But just for 2020, Mark Ingram is an absolute target for me in redraft. Then, due to the tight end premium nature of this league, I wanted to take the end of a tier, which was that second tier, if you remember from last week's episode, and that is Hunter Henry. I think he's going to be really good this year. He doesn't have that much target competition, and I like the ability of either Tyrod or Justin Herbert to just chuck the ball up to him. I think he can score a lot of touchdowns, and in a tight end premium league, He's going to be an important asset. Then in the eighth round, I was so upset because Stephon Diggs almost fell to me, and I was really excited to have him. This became one of my most difficult picks of the draft. I was considering one of the next group of quarterbacks, but I knew that no matter what, even if four went on the turn between teams one and two, I was still going to get a pretty solid guy at the ninth round. So I took the highest wide receiver on my board, and that was... Marquise Hollywood-Brown, which is, I would say, a pretty sketchy wide receiver one. But because this is a best ball format, I knew my plan from the start. I wanted to take those stud running backs early, and then I wanted to pound wide receiver. And you will see that that is exactly what I did. So, I think I think Marquise in the eighth round is pretty good value for him. I do too. Him being your first wide receiver, while it is scary, the best ball format changes it a lot for me. He's obviously not the guy that you're targeting in redraft all the time. He's your wide receiver one. But in terms of those best ball games, if he can start 
repeating with a little more consistency his bigger games he was having with Aljax, he you could be dreaming at the end of the season. Yep. Another guy that's pretty similar to that in my mind, I took in the 10th round, that's Brandon Cooks. He could be the number one on his team. Yeah. He probably will have some blow-up games. I don't know if I trust him in a normal format, but I'm, I was pretty excited to get him as my wide receiver two there. Then on the turn, on the other side of it, I took Tevin Coleman. This was in light of the Mostert wanting a trade news. I was pretty interested in targeting Coleman. Again, like I said, I had been going for running backs because I think those who can get a lot of first downs will accumulate a lot of points in this league. And he was really the last of a group of guys that I was really targeting that I think could fill in quite a few weeks this year. And then beyond that, I really started to pound the wide receiver. I went with Jameson Crowder, someone I love to target, especially in redraft this year. He's really safe, and I think he's going to get peppered heavily. Then I took Darius Slayton, another guy who has a lot of upside. Followed him up with two more guys with great upside. Jalen Rager, who has a lot of question marks as competition around him in the receiving game in Philadelphia. And then Brandon Ayuk, with especially due to the injury to Debo Samuel. He has a chance to make an impact early, and obviously with any first-round wide receiver, you have a much higher chance of him producing early in his career. And then on round 16 and 17, I thought, okay, none of my tight end targets from that middle group, you know, the Herndons, the Jonu Smiths, the Ian Thomas, I kind of wanted one of those guys, and none of them just happened to fall to me at good value. So I knew that I wanted to get enough tight ends with this tight end premium that I could be happy with starting one or possibly even two being a second one in my flex if a couple guys happened to blow up in a week. So I pounded Will Disley, a guy with really high upside, big risk, but in this league, that's not that big of a deal. And then David Njoku, another guy who has big risk because in my opinion, you probably either need a trade or an Austin Hooper injury for him to be super relevant this year. But even if he is the tight end two on Cleveland, just because of his athleticism, I do think he'll have at least a few blow-up games. I took Cole Beasley in the 18th round, mostly just because I thought that he was really good value there. I was surprised to see him still on the board. And then in the 19th round, I took Kyle Rudolph. I wasn't that comfortable with the trio of Henry, Disley, and Njoku because they all have a lot of risk, and so I was happy with Rudolph. Obviously, Diggs is gone, there's open targets up for grabs, and he should be on the field a lot, so I think he was a good, secure fourth option in mm -hmm. the tight end spot. That's where we're sitting right now. I still have the 20th round, the 21st round, and the 22nd round. By the time we post this episode, I'm pretty confident the draft will be over, other than the fact that one guy is timing out almost every round, and it's really bugging me. But beyond that, it should be done or almost done by then. So when I post, if you go on Twitter right now, you will see my entire team, my targets right now, I'm looking at Malcolm Brown, Chris Conley, and I'm looking at Russell Gage. So those are kind of the guys that I'm going to round out my draft with as long as everything goes well. Toby, what do you think of this team that I've been building? I think definitely your strong suit is what you've been reiterating is knowing the way your league is scored. Because at the end of the day, when I'm looking up here, knowing you haven't taken a wide receiver until the eighth round, at first glance, that's unbelievably risky. I'm scared. I'm frightened. But it's best ball, and at the end of the day, even if your wide receiver isn't chosen until the eighth round, it's about maximizing your points. While you won't be scoring as many points as other people in terms of your wide receivers, just the stud running backs you have to start things off, as well as the quarterbacks, I'm thinking this is looking like a pretty crazy good team. I also think Ingram in the sixth was quite a steal. That's the first one where I thought, wow, that's a great value. I also think Brandon Cook's in the 10th. Just that first set of 10 rounds right there is, I think, going to separate you from a lot of the other teams. Yeah, I'm pretty confident in this team. Of course, anything can happen, and I will update you guys as time goes on, but I think I have a really good chance at making a push and seeing if I can get mm. further into the playoffs in this tournament format. And as a side note, when you picked Cole Beasley, I wasn't too happy about it. 
went and looked at his stats from the last year, and I was like, oh, he's actually pretty good. He's yeah. definitely a viable, usable guy, especially in a best ball league. Yeah, I, th- I think in this league format and the fact that the guys who went after him are really guys with huge question marks, I'm just confident that he's going to get a decent amount of targets every week. Yeah, he's he he's going to have a few weeks with some touchdowns, and mm-hmm. he's probably going to slide into that starting lineup on those weeks. Okay, so we just wanted to brush over that topic and then get into the real meat of this episode where Toby and I have each picked a player from each position. So we have each taken one quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And we haven't seen each other's lists yet, but we are going to make a case for why each of these players is overrated at their current value. Toby, why don't you start it off with your quarterback pick? My quarterback pick will be, first of all, the most contentious, and I am already anticipating argument. Okay. My quarterback pick is a guy who I really love as a football player. I think he's super exciting to watch. He's a guy that I was drafting before in redraft, really like him, but at this point in time, when we are talking dynasty, I think he's overrated. He is the QB7 off the board. I'm talking about Joshua Allen at QB7. Here's some guys that you could get after Josh Allen. Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield, Joe Burrow, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Daniel Jones, Tua. There are some other high-flying names. And what I believe, and what the fantasy community believes, as per his ADP, it is his rushing that is pushing his ADP up as high as it is. In terms of passing, you'd be hard-pressed to say that any of the other names that I mentioned are going after him are worse at passing and worse at accuracy. Josh Allen is an errant quarterback when it comes to precision passing. It's been a fact coming out of college, and he's proven this in the NFL. However, his rushing does set him apart. In his rookie year, I was super excited watching him play. Last year, I became increasingly more and more worried. After he had the concussion scares, and after he was getting hit more in the rushing game, the coaches made a decided attempt to get those designed run plays out of the offense to a certain degree. Now, he's still an amazing athlete. He's still going to get you rushing yards, and that's great. But when we're talking dynasty, this is a guy whose career rushing attempts are only going to get lower and lower and lower and lower. When I was kind of tracking a trajectory for his career, I was thinking a bit of Ben Roethlisberger. Because when Ben enters the league, those first one to three years, The guy's rushing for a decent amount per game because he's scrambling, not to the extent of an athlete that Josh Allen is, but he still has that rushing ability and he's getting in the end zone with his legs. But then he can go back into the pocket and as he gets older in his career, can still produce those high-powered fantasy performances. I do not believe Josh Allen's QB7 ADP is going to return that because when his rushing goes and it is already going and getting lesser, I do not think he'll return value at QB7 compared to at least four or five guys who are currently going below him. One thing I think is super interesting about everything you just said is you think this is going to be the most contentious pick of the list? I feel like you're the Josh Allen guy, so I'm really surprised he's your pick because I've always been against Josh Allen, so I'm really surprised because, yeah, you you should know I'm going to agree with this. I didn't take Josh Allen on as my quarterback pick because I thought it was too obvious. I like, And I guess that is bad process because the point of this is to take who I think is the most overvalued quarterback. But to be honest, I think the actual most overvalued quarterback is Josh Allen. I just wanted to take someone who's a bit off of the radar. I totally agree, even though I think he is an absolutely fantastic fantasy producer so is Jameis Winston. And I see a very likely scenario in which his career goes the way that Jameson Winston's has. He's going to be solid for fantasy. He's going to not help his team win a ton of games. He obviously doesn't have the same issues Mm -hmm. as Winston, but the main issue that both of them have that's poor is accuracy. Yeah, and I guess my big takeaway with Josh Allen, again, Josh, if you're listening... I love I love your style. (laughs) I love his style of play. Super awesome to watch him throw the football and run the ball. But I think in terms of making this overrated episode, I think he's overrated because there's largely a consensus in the fantasy world that, you know, get a rushing quarterback. 
helps you out. Totally, totally does. I do not think Josh Allen is the rushing quarterback that people think he is right now, and I think he will be even less so at the end of the year. I think at the end of the year, people will say, with the amount, and I should say the smaller amount that he is now rushing, he is going to be much, much, much lower in ADP in upcoming years, which is why right now he's a QB7. He's overrated. One thing I want to bring up before we move on to my quarterback pick is in terms of passing, Josh Allen is known, especially among his supporters, as having a huge arm and therefore being really good at hitting the long, deep targets. People are excited, obviously. You already have John Brown, who's a great deep target, and now you add Stephon Diggs for the same reason. I just want to throw this out because I heard it this week and it made me laugh. Who do you think was more accurate on deep balls last year? Josh Allen or David Blow? Oh, yikes. I mean, because it was David Blau by a decent amount. Josh Allen was horribly inaccurate with the deep ball. I'm not arguing that he doesn't have a deep arm. Yeah, he he, has a huge arm. He can whip it. I bet you we can throw it top three in the NFL in terms of distance. Sure. But I don't really care when he's throwing it to the other team or he's just missing his guys. He's just, at this point in his career, he has not proven he's a good passer. He's a well below average passer. In fantasy, it doesn't matter because you're getting rushing. But what does matter in Dynasty is that he's going to get a contract and he's going to continue to start for an NFL franchise. And that's what I'm not so sure about with Allen. Moving on to my quarterback overrated pick. It's a very different direction, I must say. My pick at quarterback 19 is Jimmy Garoppolo. Interesting. It is almost the completely opposite argument, and I am especially looking at my Jimmy Garoppolo pick in the lens of a single quarterback league, which is what this ADP is from. If I'm in a super flex and I'm looking at my quarterback too, he's fine. He's safe. I'm still not taking him over the guys behind him, such as Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton, Drew Brees, or Gardner Minshew. I'm taking all of those guys above him. But he is at least a fine quarterback, too, on your team. What I will say, though, is that a lot of leagues are still single quarterback leagues, and in those leagues, he's going to probably be in my 40s for quarterbacks. He's like, give me Jalen Hurts, someone who actually has some upside to be starting in my roster, because the point when I'm starting Jimmy Garoppolo with just the incredibly limited fantasy upside he has is like when I'm truly desperate for a quarterback. In those leagues in which only 12 out of 32 starting quarterbacks in the league are being started every week, you can start a David Blow. You can start Teddy Bridgewater last year when he filled in for Breeze, and they're going to outperform Jimmy Garoppolo. It's because of the offense he's in. Kyle Shanahan, it's not like you think that Shanahan's going to lose his job anytime soon. He's going to be there probably longer than Jimmy Garoppolo is. Jimmy Garoppolo, although he is viewed in a way that he is totally locked into his contract, they can actually cut him for about a million dead cap next season, so he's really only locked into one season. And although I don't think he's in terrible danger of losing his job, If you look at the free agent quarterbacks that were out there just this year, I don't put it past Kyle Shanahan if he sees a Tom Brady out there, if he sees a Cam Newton out there, to say, this is going to help my team win. Jimmy Garoppolo is fine, but he definitely isn't propelling them to a Super Bowl. Their defense and their run game is. Shanahan, no matter who is the quarterback, is going to continue running the ball like crazy, He's going to keep his quarterback to a low number of pass attempts, and Jimmy Garoppolo, for that reason, just has such a low ceiling in fantasy that I'm just not targeting him at all. That's why I think he's overrated at QB19. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think he's perhaps overrated in general in the NFL community, but there has never been a time where I've ever had Jimmy G on my roster, and it's, it's for the reasons you're saying. I think if I could sum up this overrated quarterback rank it's upside of which I don't think he has a whole lot of upside yes they're bringing in Brandon Ayuk which is exciting 
but these are guys who are not going to be peppered with targets. You're not getting Debo Samuel over you know 15 targets a game type stuff. Kittle's going to be productive. The throws will be productive when they happen, but because there are so few of them in the grand scheme of things, yeah, he's lacking upside. I think it's a good overrated guy. Okay, let's go back to you with your running back choice. Running back choice. All right, I'm ready because I hear this guy talked about by many people in the fantasy community as a stud, and so I'm here to say he's a little bit overrated in my rankings. He is the RB17. These are people you could take below him. Kenyon Drake, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, Kareem Hunt, Lev Bell. RB17 is Cam Akers. Rookie running back. I like him. I like him coming out of college. I think he's a phenomenal athlete. He played for a team that had an exceptionally poor offensive line. I was thinking that if he was drafted to a team that had a great one, maybe this is a guy who can do special things. The Los Angeles Rams offensive line is not necessarily in tatters, but it is now extremely low tier, getting close to actually worst in the league if you look at pro football focus. Cam Akers is a great running back. I do not think he is the RB17. At this point, he's overrated. There are so many other locked and loaded guys who you know you can pick up. They're going to be getting you value immediately and have crazy upside. While Cam Akers does have crazy upside, you need only look back at one year when you're looking at Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson was absolute lightning in a bottle coming out of college. The guy was spectacular. If you're looking at the tape of Akers and Henderson, you'd be hard-pressed to say that Akers is outright the better athlete or the better runner. He's the better athlete, but, you know, maybe not the better running back, but he's the better athlete. Anyway. Sure, I think, but even their measurables are insanely close. Sure. Daryl Henderson is still in that backfield. Obviously, didn't prove himself. Malcolm Brown's still in that backfield. I think he did prove himself to get at least some touches per game. Akers is not going to run away with the football, barring some crazy injuries in his first year. And I don't know how long it's going to take him until he is the actual RB1. Even if it is an entire year, I don't think the offensive line problem is solved by then. So at this point, you're already kind of two years down the line. And I know he's only RB17, but there are guys where you can get production right away and still have that wildly high upside. If you want um, pretty much an equally young guy, you can get David Montgomery. If you want a guy who's going to be getting the ball immediately, you can take up Leonard Fournette. Kenyon Drake is another kind of spicy little pickup there. But that's why I think he's overrated at RB17. It's too high. Before I comment too much, I think we should go into my running back pick. Okay. How about I start it with a question? And it's going to give away who my guy is. Mm-hmm. How much more interested in Cam Akers are you than Daryl Henderson? Like, like how much more confident are you that you'd go for Akers? Like, what ADP do you think Daryl Henderson should be at? Daryl Henderson's ADP? Um, I don't I would say at least double, so less than, probably more, like RB44. Sure. My pick is Daryl Henderson, oh my which goodness. is funny we go to the same back. He is, according to Fantasy Pros, Daryl Henderson is the running back 38, and that is in front of guys like Alexander Madison, who currently has the extra bonus upside of Dalvin Cook potentially holding out, Tony Pollard, Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, A.J. Dillon, Antonio Gibson. That's just a handful of guys, but honestly, like you say 44, he's probably around 50, maybe the low 50s for me. He's just not a guy I'm interested in. It's funny we go to the same backfield because... To me, I am so much more bullish on Cam Akers. I think the signing of Cam Akers goes to show that they regret their Daryl Henderson pick. They are sure. not mm-hmm. happy with mm-hmm. what he did in that first year. They picked him like Akers with a second round pick, and immediately they're like, this is not the guy. Their coaching staff has talked about how they view each guy, and when they're talking about Daryl Henderson, they described him in the same verbiage you used as a lightning in a bottle that they could put in every once in a while to change it up, meaning I think they view him as the third running back. And Which we is are, nuts. We already mentioned Malcolm Brown. I'm looking at taking him in the late 20th round, so that's 
super late in drafts. Mm-hmm. And I would take him straight up over Daryl Henderson for this year. I genuinely would. So yeah. the fact that I need to spend up to the RB38 when I could have so many people that I already mentioned, such like high caliber backups or a couple of guys in Miami like Jordan Howard or Matt Breida, a couple of rookies who is another second round pick who has a lot of upside in AJ Dillon, an early third round pick that we both like in Antonio Gibson. All of these guys to me are easy choices compared to the absolute bust of a pick in year one that was Daryl Henderson. I know he looked good in college, but the reason that I think his ADP is propped up this high is because last year he was the fantasy darling of dynasty leagues. And genuinely, I know if you have taken him in your first round last year, because that's where he was going, was pretty late. Not only are you regretting it, you're probably also holding on to him saying like, people don't like to admit they're wrong. And I think people are holding him a little too tight, inflating that value up to RB38. If you can sell him at an RB38 value, sell him now. Because as soon as week one hits, his value is dropping like a rock. It's interesting that we take Arby's from the same back. That's wild, yeah. It's, and I As think, soon as you started talking about Acres, I was like, oh my god, that's hilarious. Well, I but, think we can agree there. the LA Rams backfield is problematic. Yeah, I like that you brought up the offensive line. Um, I think Jared Goff could very easily lead the league in passing attempts this year. He's going to sure. have to throw it a ton. Mm-hmm. And... Between that, an offensive line, and some ambiguity or potential for an RBBC, these aren't guys that I'm targeting. As much as I do love Akers, especially out of college, I was super hyped on him. I have to agree with you that at RB17, I, I don't really have shares of him. I didn't mm-hmm. happen to be that in that spot in rookie drafts and in startup drafts. I'm not willing to pay up compared to a lot of the other guys within his range. So yeah, I, I think that we are on the same page here in fading some of these Rams running backs, unless you are going to take the super late shot in Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown's fine. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's go to wide receivers now. Back to Toby. Who was your overrated wide receiver? My overrated wide receiver has missed a shocking number of games due to injury. AJ Green. No. <laughs> but that is also true. Nope. AJ Green would honestly, his rank is so low that I'm not looking at it on his page right now. I'm talking about the wide receiver 12. Mm-hmm. That's right, a wide receiver 1. However, he's 27, he's getting older, he's consistently getting injured at least a couple times a year. I'm talking about Odell Beckham Jr. OBJ. OBJ, one of the more talented athletes at the wide receiver position that the NFL has seen. He's got that catch. He's immortalized. OBJ is now too high. He's the RB12. There are other guys that I can take behind him that I'm more than happy with. You get Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, A-Rob, Julio Jones, Cortland Sutton, Cooper Cup, CD Lamb. These are all names that are underneath him. And those of you listening, there's got to be a couple names that are going to be above. Now I get it. OBJ, he's got that name value. OBJ can make catches that I can never dream of, and other wide receivers can probably never dream of. However, I do not think he is getting better. He has been on a steady decline, and I only think he is declining. He's still going to have some amazing blow-up gains. He will have highlight reel catches. Should he be the wide receiver 12? He should not. He's overrated. Hmm. Okay. So first of all, I just looked at my rankings and he's my wide receiver 13. So I absolutely agree. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, it's hard for me to like pick him out of the list and call him the most overrated player. I just think because, and I'll peel the curtain behind, I almost picked Baker Mayfield for my quarterback pick and ended up going with Jimmy G instead. Odell, as well as Baker Mayfield, just have such an upside that it's hard for me to not pick them. Like, if I'm going to compare A.J. Brown with Odell Beckham, I see them both as guys who could explode and be the wide receiver one overall, but also guys that have a lot of risk, and for slightly different reasons, but also some of the same reasons. Mm -hmm. Odell Beckham, 
is probably on a much more run-first offense, but we've seen him produce like crazy in a bad offense with Eli Manning. He had one off year. I understand injuries are definitely a thing, but I don't think one year where he played through, a was it a sports hernia, I believe he had? And he had surgery for it now, so he should be back to health. I can't fade him when the reasons that he has been underperforming have some significant reasoning. I think what I need to see to drop him, and you could be right, because this recommendation could be sell him before this ADP drop, but I think I'm going to follow the ADP that will potentially drop when he stops producing while healthy. That's kind of what I need to see to totally fade him or call him overrated. I could see him in general being overrated because the type of player like him who has the name value generally will hold value too long. Mm-hmm. But Which, I, for me, that's, that's what I think is happening. I think his name value alone, the plays that we can all know and think of, the speed that he has, like that is what I think is propelling him upwards, where I can think of other guys who still have that same game-breaking ability, who have very similar upside, and you can just get later. You're right, though, in terms of if there is a guy that you want to risk it all on, I can totally respect that. But in terms of his ranking, just for me, at wide receiver 12... Like, I ranked him as wide receiver 13. So I think the thing for me with him is Baker still holds an incredible upside. Flashes that we saw in his first year... And if he hits that ceiling, Odell's going to hit that ceiling. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I didn't pick Baker Mayfield as my overrated quarterback is because he has this built-in explosion of upside that could happen. And that is also the same reason that I hesitate to call Odell overrated because part of what that ADP is is the built-in value that you're right, he most likely is going to perform worse than ADP wide receiver 12, but he absolutely could go back to, in a year, his ADP could be the wide receiver three. It could be right up there with Michael Thomas. All it takes is one year of Baker getting his shit together and Odell truly being the number one, and his value will also explode. So I think an asset that's that risky I can't put my stamp on us being this Fair guy's enough. overrated. Okay, okay. You ready to go to my wide receiver? I'm ready. Again, we're on two pretty different wavelengths. Mm-hmm. My overrated wide receiver has an ADP of being the wide receiver 37. That is just in front of T.Y. Hilton, Darius Slayton, Brandon Cooks, and the group of rookies being Henry Ruggs, T. Higgins, Denzel Mims, Michael Pittman, basically every rookie. Besides, of course, those top two, CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy. He's right under Jerry Judy. This is Nikhil Harry. Hmm. I don't want Nikhil Harry at his ADP at all. (laughs) Like, no chance am I taking him that early. I understand the upside. I understand that he was hurt in his first season, and everything that we've seen of him before last season, he looked fantastic. He was a very good wide receiver in college. That being said... I don't think he's better than that group of rookies in college. That group of rookies have very similar draft capital to him, and that group of rookies didn't completely bust in their rookie season yet. Nikhil Harry was useless. He was beaten in camp by Jacoby Myers. He isn't in an offense that, other than a slot guy, have you been able to rely on a wide receiver For years and years and years, they use a spread of different players. You cannot predict what Belichick's going to do in a week. You never have been able to other than Kronk and Edelman Edelman. of the last five-plus years. Mm -hmm. And so why would I want to buy in at almost a wide receiver three cost of a player that has showed nothing in his first year, looked solid in college, but it's not like he is an absolute stud. It's not like we saw, you know, Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb. Like if these guys were in the same draft, those wide receivers are clearly being taken in front of them, as is Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs was drafted 15 spots or so higher to an offense where he has 
similar levels of competition, he is a more explosive athlete, and he is not completely busted out in a rookie season, and yet he's somehow still behind Nikhil Harry. I just don't see the argument in that Nikhil Harry should be all the way up at wide receiver 37. I think you should drop him at least 10 spots, even if I'm not going with the rookies. Darius Slayton also just had a rookie season. Looked amazing. Brandon Cooks has a ton of upside that I don't know if Nikhil Harry will ever have. When the fantasy community can look at guys like Paris Campbell, like J.J. Arcega Whiteside, or Miles Boykin and think, oh, these guys are washed, they've showed it to us, they're not good enough, their ADPs, all three of those guys, have dropped like a stone. Why has Nikhil Harry's maintained almost a wide receiver three level? He doesn't deserve that. He hasn't showed us anything. I could absolutely be wrong. He could prove good. But... Why is he drafted that high to the point that you're going to put that much risk in someone that has so far has only showed us negative things? I think the argument is the bounce back effect of if you put together the winning combination of one, it was just an injury and now he's going to be back to full health. He, he, Two, was, he played some full health games. Totally. But I'm, I'm saying this, this, sure. would be the, this would be the winning combination. One. You know what? He played a few full health games. He wasn't 100%. He was 90. Okay. So he's coming in week one healthier than ever. Two, he still has the first round draft capital. Mm-hmm. And three, you've got Cam Newton, which is an exciting new twist to the <laughs> offense. So I think if you're going to go for Nikhil Harry, you're believing in, one, you're believing in Cam. You're believing in Belichick as well. And Cam will do well under Belichick. But you're believing in Cam as a passer. You're also believing that his health is no longer a factor, but not only that, you're also believing that his health is the reason why he did poorly. Because I get what you're saying about why can I, because in terms of J-Jaw, I never want him again, ever, ever. Yeah. I don't want him. But I hear Nikhil Harry's name alone, and I go, that's interesting to me. And that is an interesting effect that I haven't really thought of. And I think the the better example, because at least with Boykin and J-Jaw, they were mostly healthy and they didn't produce. So mm-hmm. I think the best comparable for me is Paris Campbell. So I'm sure. going to look at Paris Campbell versus Nikhil yeah. Harry. Paris Campbell is completely disrespected while Nikhil Harry has maintained his value. If anything, compared to last year, Paris Campbell's situation is better i guess because of the quarterback i don't know about long term i don't know well Pittman's there now so it's but but with harry like going from brady to cam cam's fine but he's not arguably the greatest of all time so yeah cam has been a decent passer but what he's been a really good passer at in his career is throwing near the line of scrimmage whereas Nikhil harry is not playing in the slot he's not taking Mm -hmm. edelman's role he's the outside receiver where cam has historically struggled and Tom Brady would succeed at much more. It's just everything's pointing down for Nikhil Harry, except for some reason, not his ADP. Yeah, no, I'm happy to accept he's overrated. I had not really considered him as such, but I hear But yet, in how many drafts have you chosen? Uh, Never once, so fair enough. All right. It is now time for me to give my overrated tight end. He's the tight end 20. Now, the names behind him are not as illustrious as others I have mentioned, but the names behind him you could get, Blake Jarwin, Eric Ebron, Jared Cook, Herndon, Jay Sternberger, Dawson Knox. The tight end 20 is a guy, and you'll notice that a couple of the names I read were the tight end 1 for their team. This is David Njoku, the tight end 2 for his team. The second tight end behind Austin Hooper, who just got paid several yachts worth of salaries. Austin Hooper is going to be ahead of David Njoku on almost any conceivable snap. I believe Austin Hooper proved himself immensely in Atlanta. Well, I don't necessarily believe he's the second coming. He definitely made his name as a tight end. Austin Hooper is going to be catching passes from Baker Mayfield, and he's going to be catching more than David Njoku. David Njoku obviously wants a trade. Whether or not that happens, it's kind of up in the air right now. If he stays in Cleveland... I think he's going to be terrible, and oh my god, will he ever not return the value of tight end 20. There's no chance that happens. If you're drafting David Njoku at tight end 20, you are hoping that he's traded before 
the season starts, obviously, and I guess that he goes to a team where it's a good fit and he's able to surpass the tight end one. I could see maybe a world where he is taken by Dallas, who managed to find more money somewhere, and he beats Blake Jarwin, because let's face it, Jason Witten beat Blake Jarwin. But apart from that, he does not return value of tight end 20. To me, David Njoku, well, he's a fantastic athlete. I think he's lost his shot, and he's overrated. In regard to your, uh, not really prediction, but you saying he might go to Dallas, I think the scenario in which he really returns value is in that division, but it's not Dallas. Sure, goes to the... Goes to Washington? Goes to Washington. I must say, there hasn't been rumors or anything (laughs) of him going to Washington, but all you have to do is look at their depth chart and go, hmm, Washington Washington might want to trade for a tight end. And here's the thing. You know what? If tomorrow it comes out and David Njoku goes to Washington, maybe I'm singing something different. But right now, I do not see it happening. This is not a slight against him as an athlete. The cards just have not worked out well for David Njoku. This is a guy who will not be in that tight end 20 range. I would be curious to actually see his ADP over time because I expect that it probably rose a little bit with him asking for a trade. Like two two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. it was probably more like tight end 30. And I understand the hype that would come back a bit because you can see him in another scenario in which he could be effective because the last time we actually saw him healthy, which was 2018, he was a solid tight end. He wasn't incredible, but this was his sophomore season, and about half of the games he was putting over 10 points a game and at tight end. That's really solid, especially for a mm-hmm. second-year tight end. People are in love with his athleticism, which I understand, but I will agree with you in that people love to overhype athleticism, especially at the tight end position, and they look at someone... Not that this is the same position, but they look at someone like Jarek McKinnon in his early seasons when he had a really high Jarek McKinnon, I think, can bench press more than anyone in NFL history. (laughs) Some crazy crazy comments. There are definitely fantasy people that are like, okay, this guy's an incredible athlete, so he's an incredible football player. And that might not be the case with Njoku, but what it does give him is a much more of a ceiling. I just agree that I think I mentioned it once already today because I took him in my Scotty Fishbowl draft. Njoku needs, most likely, either a Austin Hooper injury or a trade to a good team to really produce. And the reason I took him in that draft is because it's a best ball and because I would never be confident throwing Njoku into a normal starting lineup, but letting him sit there on my bench and immediately get filled into my starting lineup as soon as he blows up is the type of scenario where I'm much more willing to target a guy like that. To round it off, the eighth player we're going to talk about today, of course, before I guess that dynasty target, is the tight end seven. I kind of already know that Toby's going to agree with this one because it was only last week when we were talking about our tight end rankings. This is Darren Waller. Sorry, Darren. Yeah, sorry. And sorry, guys on Twitter who looked at my uh, tight end rankings last week and thought, and I quote, having someone who ended as the tight end three all the way down at tight end nine is just embarrassing. I think it's embarrassing that you believe (laughs) Darren Waller is going to repeat this. And yeah, right away, I also agree he's overrated. Mm -hmm. And I knew you would. To those people, I hear you. Listen, if he repeats tight end three... All the power to him. I like the story of Darren Waller. I like him as a guy. However, what has happened since the Las Vegas Raiders have made their changes? I think the most important thing to look at with Darren Waller is his target competition and really take into account what he was up against last year. So he had Tyrell Williams, who was battling through injury for a lot of the year. He had Hunter Renfro, who was a rookie. He had Foster Moreau. Sure, but already, <laughs> already, Darren Waller's the best athlete on the field, I would say. Yeah. Tyrell Williams, sure, he's faster, but I think Darren Waller, overall, yes. Yeah. Now you've got Henry Ruggs. Now you've got Brian Edwards. Now you still have all those guys that he was competing to go against. And, again, Darren Waller last year was a waiver wire find and a half. <laughs> the guy was winning you titles because... No one expected him to do 
well. He did things that were unprecedented for him in his career, and I, I'm not calling him a one-hit wonder, but to think that he's going to replicate those numbers at anywhere near tight end seven, that's why he's overrated. I did have some discussions as well, I believe it was on Reddit, specifically about our Darren Waller rankings, and I talked about, like you said, all the guys they brought in, they have much more competition than he did last year, even if there are some more injuries they even brought some other guys you got, like, I don't know, Nelson Aguilar, just like sure. three agents that they brought in that are there to take away targets. And another guy that I don't think people are even considering to be a factor is Lynn Bowden Jr., who I know they're designating as a running back, but I do think they're going to use him as a gadget player. And although that doesn't necessarily take away a huge amount of targets, it's a bunch of designed plays that I expect out of this offense and where Darren Waller strived so much last year was because he was really the only option. They were drawing up all the plays for him and even on scramble plays where things broke down, he was really the only guy who was out-muscling his man, getting open and becoming Derek Carr's favorite target. Mm. The other guy that you surprisingly mentioned already once on this podcast that they brought in that is going to immediately directly hurt Darren Waller is Jason Witten. He has extra tight end target competition too. Just Jason ev- Jason Witten. Listen, I don't know how he does it. I've watched him my whole life. This guy's been in the NFL forever. He knows what to do with the tight end position. He's going to vulture away touchdowns. He's going to vulture away targets. Darren Waller will not return value at tight end seven. It's that simple. He's... I'm upset just thinking about his ADP. <laughs> he is decent, and I loved as well that when I had those Darren Waller's defenders immediately reacting to his rank, they're like, oh, you probably think he's too old, but he's only 27. It's like, no, it's 100% the target competition and the offense he's running in. He is just simply not a focal point of an offense. He's not Travis Kelsey, and he was only that successful because he was the de facto option, not the planned, prioritized option. That's our eight overrated players this year in Dynasty. Well, you all know what that means then. It is time for our favorite segment. It is Guess That Dynasty Target. It is my turn to give Toby five clues, one at a time, starting from the most vague and ending with basically a gimme hint at number five. And after each hint, Toby will have to try to guess the player that I am targeting in Dynasty. Toby, are you ready to get going? Ready. Here's clue number one for this player. Last year, this player ended up as the wide receiver 31. 31. I will also tell you he played 15 of the 16 games. John Brown. Totally reasonable guess, but no, it is not John Brown. I think he finished better than 31. Probably. Yeah, I'd say he was a wide receiver too. Okay. Last year, which was this player's rookie season, he established himself as the clear number two target on the offense. He was second in targets with 82, second in receptions with 57, second in catch rate at 70%, and second in yards with 803. My mind is kind of jumping to Debo Samuel, who was emerging. I'm saying he'd be the second behind Sanders, but I'm not confident in that. I mean, Darius Slayton comes to mind, but I know, I know, I don't think you're a big fan of Darius Slayton. If you want me to reiterate one part, I will say, I established myself as the clear number two target on my offense. DK Metcalf? Is that your guess? No, no. He's he finished better than the, yeah. I'm gonna make it my guess. I already said it. It's not DK Metcalf. That's yeah, no, he's, he's, wait, he's better than thirty-one. I regretted it the moment it left my mouth. (laughs) Okay, here is the third clue. The only real difference in the situation around this player this year is that his main competition at wide receiver left to free agency and was replaced in the draft. Steve Samuel. Yeah. Damn it! (laughs) Damn it! You mentioned him. I knew if you pivoted yourself, you were going to be pissed. (laughs) I pivoted myself. (laughs) Yeah. I also wanted to reiterate that point because it was the clear number two target 
and it was behind Kittle. It was not the clear not. number two wide receiver. Okay, okay. Because he actually, and I looked through the stats, they both played every game other than the one that Debo missed. He clearly beat Emmanuel Sanders in every stat. He was mm. the number two target. The other clues I was going to give for Debo Samuel were that his ADP has dropped this offseason to the wide receiver 25 due to injury, and that I believe this 24-year-old wide receiver is the number one wide receiver on his team going forward for a QB we already talked about today. That was the gimme you could have pieced together with gotcha. Jimmy yep, Garoppolo. <laughs> so yeah, I think that Debo Samuel is a great target, and it's as simple as buy the injury dip. This is not redraft. I understand if you want to fade him in a one-year scenario, but he has a Liz Frank injury. He might be okay for week one. I expect it'll probably be like week four, but who cares? We're talking about a 24-year-old who has 10 more years in the league and was absolutely dominant. The fact that his ADP is dropping because he might miss four games is insanity. Now's, now's the time to get him. I think no one out here is saying, who's Debo Samuel? Why are you liking him? Everyone's loving Debo Samuel and his stocks. Get him now while you can. Absolutely, it's a buy. Yeah, especially if he's on a team. Obviously, he could have been a late first-round pick for a team last year. Maybe they're a contender, so they got one of those late picks, and they're thinking, I need to win this year. Debo Samuel is a bit sketchy to help you win this year, even though he probably will in the second half of the season. But those are the guys, especially you target them and you trade for them. You take him in startup drafts if you can at his ADP because he is just simply better than that ADP. He's going to return value in the long term, if not in the short term. It's not that complicated of a target this week. I just really think that Debo is going to return value on wide receiver 25. The only reason I'm upset is because I did not say his name sooner, as I did think of him very quickly. Yeah, you actually did say his name. Yeah, <laughs> true. Okay, that is it for us this week. Next week, we are going to be once again returning to the community, asking you guys on Twitter and on Reddit to send us in either trades that you have made or recent trades that have been made in your league, good or awful. And we will give you our takes pick a side, and tell you what we think would have been maybe a smarter decision in terms of what you needed to target. We love interacting with you guys, and the first time we did this type of episode, it was really great going through a bunch of different trade scenarios, and we both really enjoyed it, so we thought, why not go right back to it with episode 14. I'm excited. To get in on that next episode, you can tweet at us at Deep Dive Dynasty on Twitter. You can... Look out for my posts on Reddit and on Twitter. Definitely reply to us there and get in touch. I'd also really appreciate if you could leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. And that is really it for us today on the Deep Dive Dynasty podcast. From me, Colin, your host, and Toby, your co-host. Peace out. Peace out, boys.